0: Welcome back to the Rise of the Young Podcast. My name is Casey Adams, and on today's episode, we have Ash Dykes here with us. I first heard about Ash Dykes on the Joe Rogan Experience Podcast, and I absolutely fell in love with his story. Ash Dykes has achieved three world records, which include trekking across Mongolia and Madagascar before the age of 25 In August 2019, he achieved his third world record, which is becoming the first person to walk along the full 4,000-mile course of the Yangtze River, which is the longest river in Asia. Inside of this episode, we go over what he learned through these adventures, and he talks about the journey of walking across Mongolia by himself, which was 1,500 miles And I not only learned so much from this story, but it was one of the most amazing interviews that I've ever done. So I hope you enjoy. And that being said, before we dive into the episode, make sure you follow Ash Dykes on Instagram, screenshot this podcast, post it on your Instagram story so that we can share it. And that being said, enjoy the show. Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. On today's episode, we have Ash Dykes with us. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Good to be here. Good to talk uh, with the Casey. It's about damn time, isn't it? <laughs> right. So, Ash, uh, you're you're someone that I'm fascinated with their story. You know, you're an adventurer. You, you've set two, not only world records, but you've trekked across Mongolia and Madagascar before the age of 25. But before we dive into it, What do you describe as what you do? It's a good question, isn't it?
1: It's a good question. Um, And I juggle between three. It's either adventurer, but adventure is quite broad. So then I tend to say extreme athlete because I'm always training for when I take on the extremes. But then I say explorer. And I'm a bit like, well, that's in the past. So it, So I do say adventurer or extreme athlete is easy
0: enough. <laughs> okay. so, so talk to me more about these two journeys you went on across Mongolia and Madagascar. When did those begin, and how did you line your life up to take on those adventures?
1: Yeah, man, I'll tell you what. I'm taking you right back to the beginning pretty much. Um, again, from, from North Wales here, uh, just on the coast in the UK, normal upbringing, normal background. I went to my school, which is literally not not far away, just down the road. I went on from school to my college course, which was a diploma in outdoor education, which brought that adventurous spirit a little bit more out of me. Uh, and whilst the rest of the students went on to university, I found that I was more of a um, practical learner, kinesthetic, learn from hands-on practical skills, and thought to myself, okay, there's either the university option or there's the option where I can Get a job which is fairly well paid. That went from being an efficient chip shop to waiting on, and then to lifeguarding, um, and save as much as I can in the hope that I can eventually go travelling. So it was probably all of the travels that happened before Mongolia. Which was my first record which got me prepared because i was doing crazy stuff really you know me and my friend we left we were we were 19 years of age you know we were on a shoestring budget we were literally budgeting every day we found ourselves trapped on tourist track which was fine you know we met tourists from all over the world which was great but we weren't there for that you know we were there for the culture to the experience to learn from the locals see their way of life how they live their traditions etc and so me and my friend came up with different adventurous ideas that we could take on but on a shoestring budget you know because we just didn't have the funds and the first adventure i talk about a lot because that's probably the catalyst it was the the vietnam cycle so we were literally we was both sulking pretty much bitching on the Mekong Riverbank because we had spent way more than anticipated. You know, our, our funds were, were dropping <laughs> down. Um, but we and we shared the same photos, stories and experiences as everyone else. So we were like, right, man, let's, let's do something. So we, we decided to purchase bicycles for £10. We had no gears, no suspension, no pump, no punctual repair kit. We had a non-waterproof tent, which cost us about $5 each. Um, and that was it. No map, no technology. Off we went. The Vietnam cycle was one thousand one hundred and thirty miles. Wow. The bike broke about seventeen times in total. Uh, have you have you been to Vietnam before? I have not. No. So it's quite mountainous. It is. Um, and and so pretty much these bikes, because they didn't have the gears, they just weren't equipped to take on the mountains. No you know? gears going up mountains. Yeah, it was ridiculous, man. It got to a point where even our pedals fell off. <laughs> oh, my god! <gosh.
0: laughs>
1: yeah, the pedals would just drop off. And I remember my friend cycling without the pedals, so it was just on the mountain bar, and it just drilled. Yeah. It melted through his trainer, uh, which he had to get rid of. But, yeah. you know, chased by dogs, rammed by trucks, Dodged by by mopeds, you know, it was pretty crazy, pretty reckless, pretty dangerous. But that was the catalyst then, and then it was it was bumping the adventures bigger, better. We were in Thailand only three weeks after, and we crossed into the jungle um, by Thailand through to Myanmar, and we came across a community which took us in, pretty much a hill tribe. And they taught us jungle survival, how to hunt, how to gather, how to build rafts or shelter using natural resources, which was amazing, you know. And that again spurred the adventurous spirit. And yeah. from there, it, I found my passion, you know. I found my passion. I realized what I wanted to do was to take on more adventures.
0: Um, and so I continued. <laughs> that is so cool, man. When did you realize like you wanted to break a world record, and how? Like, what was? your mindset going into that. And for those who may not know, I'd love for you to give some context into what these records are exactly.
1: Yeah, sure, man. yeah, so I would say, so after all of those adventures, you know, there was the Vietnam, there was the jungle survival. We tried Australia, but Australia turned out to be way too expensive to budget backpackers. Uh, we were then trekking the Himalayas, we were doing all sorts, but before we left for traveling, I think it's important to say, especially for the audience, we, we had set up a plan for, us, for ourselves. We had invested in ourselves in terms of getting out scuba diving qualifications in the hope that we could find work abroad. Uh, and we did, you know. So for the next two years, uh, just before the first record, which was Mongolia, I was working uh, and living in Thailand as a, as a master scuba diving instructor and Muay Thai fighter. And so it was during this time where it was a great lifestyle, but it became quite repetitive. And I was just—I know, man. I was just missing the adventures, you know. Missing, yeah. I was still. How old was I then? I was I'm 21, still young. I was like, man, let's do something. I'm only, <laughs> I'm only like I'm only. I'm only 29 now, but you know, when I was 21, I was just like, yeah, I want to take on more adventures. Um, and then that's when I pretty much decided on oh, let's go to somewhere where is extreme. And Let's do something. That's not a cycle, something that relies solely on myself to survive. I I believe that when you're cycling, as great as it is, um, you're on a road. Where there's road, there's people, there's water, there's food, you're relatively uh, safe. Whereas in terms of walking, you normally walk or trek where cars can't get to or where bikes can't get, you know? So I like the idea, and Mongolia stood out as that extreme country that I was unfamiliar with, you know, Gobi Desert, um, the Mongolian Steppe, the Altai Mountains. And my idea was maybe to walk 100 meters or maybe 200 uh, 100 miles, sorry, or maybe 200 miles until like, I decided, which this record, it was the first to walk solo and unsupported across its length. So solo meaning I'm on my own and unsupported meaning that I'd have to carry everything on a trailer, a wheeled desert car behind me, which weighed about 18 stone, 120 kilograms, which wow. I think is about 260 pounds. Okay. Um but I didn't know it was a record at that time. You know, I was just doing it purely
0: for the adventure. I thought find those people. So just to re- reiterate, so you walked across yes. the the well, the, the deserts independently yes. by yourself and it was 200 miles long. Oh no, it was 1,500 miles. 1,500 yes. miles. Yeah, a that's what I was looking miles. at. I was thinking, yeah,
1: no, I was, You no, you're right. I was looking at maybe I could walk a hundred miles or maybe two oh. until I decided, you know what? go for the full length of the country of mongolia from (laughs) west to east so it was three weeks over the altai mountains it was five weeks and you just
0: walked the entire time like yeah well yeah so i had a
1: a tracking device as well so about every five minutes it would ping off my speed my altitude my current location
0: so that it was uh, recorded as well you know so how um, long was that journey and like that one thousand five hundred miles how long of that was
1: your life it took seventy-eight days. Seventy-eight go, days? Seventy-eight days. So we anticipated it'd take about hundred days, but due to the daylight, I had about sixteen hours worth of daylight. So when I got walking fit, I just carried on walking. So I was all about smashing that distance yeah. and finishing early. I faced some crazy extremes out there, so I was looking to wrap it up as quick as I could.
0: What would you say was like the most challenging part of that experience? I would I would say the Gobi
1: Desert. Um, you know, five weeks of the Gobi Desert straight after the Altai Mountains. So the Altai Mountains, I was trying to pull the trailer up and over the mountains, you know, which was a nightmare. I had no brakes either, so I can't commit. I have got to fully commit. I can't go halfway up and then you know it's gonna pull me back down. Um but the Gobi Desert, I was I was slipping into dehydration, my water was running low. It got to such a severe point where I went from heat exhaustion to heat stroke, which is usually fatal. I could almost feel my organs drying up. They were, they were, I, was, I was in a bad way. I was in agony. I was hallucinating. I was delirious. Um, and just to put that into context, it was 40-plus degrees Celsius. Wow. Um, I'm not sure what that is in, in Fahrenheit. Um, over 100 Fahrenheit, I guess. There was no breeze and there was no natural shelter. The only shade that I could get was underneath my own trailer. So it was at that point that I was, well, not just that point, but for many days, for well over a week, um, one of the wells was dry where I was collecting water from. So that meant I was rationing the last remaining dribbles of water that I had left. But at that point, at my worst case scenario, I knew that I still had four whole days until I make it to the next community and it was a mix of gravel and soft sand and so soft sand meaning you know, my, my tyres would dig in so yeah. it felt like I was pulling a concrete block from, wow. her, from her, you know? so that was a nightmare but you know again something else that I, I believe the audience can hopefully take from that is although I couldn't visualise making a no- those four days because it was just I was in too much agony you know I wasn't in my mind I was I was dying effectively and I knew that if I didn't get up from out of my trailer and push on I would die in the Gobi Desert uh, but what I focused on was breaking my goals down and focus on 100 meters at a time rather than the four days which just seemed daunting to me one hour seemed daunting yeah. to me but I could see 100 meters you know so I focused on walking 100 meters and then hiding under my trailer i could sometimes hide for about an hour under my trailer wow. I allowed myself 5 minutes only you know 5 minutes 100 meters, 5 minutes 100 and just about made it to that community um took me 8 days to recover before i could continue you know to wow. be bad bad leg so that was definitely the most challenging
0: aspect what, of it. Like, what kept you motivated throughout that process like uh, people may be listening they're like why did you put yourself in these near death experiences alone in the desert running on water your organs are drying up like what kept you going through this process because it's something where not not many people will ever do that you set records for a reason and like what yeah what kept you motivated through the process man you know I think I think many things one was I can't
1: Come back having not accomplished it, and just you know have people tapping me on the shoulder, you know. Oh, like, yeah. you your best. <laughs> I didn't. I could not I'm, I'm super competitive as well. And secondly, at that point, I didn't have any other option. Uh, yeah. I admit the point. So my backup, because this was quite low budget as well, the Mongolia. Um, unlike the pre, because there was a navy, a Navy Seal soldier who had previously attempted it. Um, three times, but he was evacuated on three occasions and that's what scared me the most. You know, I held a lot of fear. I was in a lot of doubt, of course, because I was only a scuba diver living on an island. His experience compared to mine was, you know, I thought, what chance do I have? But I guess at the point where I was at my worst case, unlike the previous guy who had evacuation by helicopter, my means of evacuation was text only uh, by satellite phone. So my agent Um, which he was about three or four days drive away in the capital. If he found me, that's three or four days uh, longer if he didn't. And then another day or two to get me to safety. At this point, I had missed that option. It's either six days for him to get to me and take me out or four days by walking. And so I knew that I don't think I could have lasted six days. So I guess what pushed me on is knowing that if I don't continue, I will die out here in Gobi. The second option is um just that motive that I set out to achieve something and I just wanted to try my best to achieve it before I got myself into that dog situation because I think now if I was in such a difficult situation um with the expeditions more funded maybe I would press that button. I don't know, it's there, use yeah. it. It's not worth it's not worth dying for is it of course so um, maybe I would have, but it was the fact that I didn't. I didn't have that, so I had no option. It was like you've got to continue, otherwise you'll just end up like a, like the camel crosses. walking past, you know. But um, so yeah, and it was the discipline, the training that I, I put into it, you know. So um, totally,
0: but, yeah. yeah. How uh, so? When you're going through something like that, are you communicating with your team on a daily basis through the satellite communication, or how often are you? updating people because they may be thinking like, is he okay? Like, did he die? Like, how are they making sure that your mission is moving forward? Yeah, no, good question. Uh, I would, I would say predominantly
1: it was the tracker that I had, uh, uh, that ordered the, uh, the journey. We made it live on the website. So anyone effectively, they could go on the website and they could zoom in and they can see exactly where I am within five meters. That's how accurate it was. Wow. So my family, my friends, um, follow, people following the journey, <laughs> and my team would, would make sure that that tracker is still moving. And if it's not, if it's been a few hours, they'll send it a text. But I had limited amount of text yep. as well. I Got think four it. per day.
0: Uh, so pretty much every other day I was okay. Nice. Oh, Very okay. Cool. okay. Talk to me about Madagascar. What was that adventure like? My man. Madagascar was
1: more intense than it sounds. You know, <laughs> you, you think of Madagascar and you think of the movie, don't you? Yeah. And you think of <laughs> the beautiful wildlife. But I'd say that that was tougher than Mongolia, which is expected. You only want to go one better than your previous, don't you? Yep. Um, but you think of it as an island, no, It's a small island, it's the fourth largest island in the world. Wow. Uh, and what attracted me was the amount of locals and communities I'd been coming across. I'm really about that, you know, my curiosity for, for meeting the people of the country, exploring their traditional cultures. I believe we can learn a lot from them. And I just wanted to, I was just curious, you know. Um, and Madagascar, 80% of all its plant life and wildlife found on the is found nowhere else in the world. Wow. Which make, yeah, which is also what attracted me. It makes it incredibly unique. Um, And with all of my journeys, I'm always working either with charities or to help raise awareness. I was with Mongolia. um, And I was, again, with Madagascar, you know, working with the Lima Network Conservation, who were helping to protect all of the species there, the biodiversity. But that was a 1,600-mile journey. Uh, And although it was only 100 miles longer than Mongolia, it took almost double the duration. It took 155 days. Wow. Why was that? And that was just because Madagascar loved throwing challenges my way on a daily basis. Okay. I mean, it was intense. So we took the interior from south to north of the island um, and we decided, you know, take the interior because we don't want to go coast the line where there's beaches. We want to go where there's tribal communities and high mountains and thick jungle. And so I made it my mission to southern the eight highest mountains along the way as well. Uh, and the challenges just ranged from the bandits that we had to avoid um, we were held up at gunpoint by the military. Really? Uh, I caught I caught malaria um, only one month into the five month journey. Wow. Almost from malaria, I mean, a few hours from slipping into a coma. The doctor believes, uh, but I've had it eradicated out of my system, and I was able to crack on. I became ambassador for Malaria No More UK after that. You know, you we were yeah. trying to save people from the disease. Um, and then the jungles were tough, man. A lot of the time in the north, it was machete in hand sort of bushwhacking our way through, there's no paths, no one really goes there, not to the mountains, especially in cyclone season, which we ended up unfortunately ourselves in that season. And we were hunting, we were gathering, and you know, some days we would only cover maybe two miles in a
0: whole 12 hour day of trekking and hacking through the jungle. What does we like your, how are you, uh, when it comes to what are you eating throughout this journey? Like, how are you staying nutritious? And just, what's the daily not routine, but what were some of the things you were doing on a daily basis to remain energized and fueled? Yeah, sort of out there.
1: I, I was doing, I was doing okay towards the first half. I was apart from the malaria stint, uh, which threw me, and I lost thirteen kilograms of weight within five days. I think it was, so that's a lot of weight, but. Um, and then you know I was back on top of it, keeping a healthy, music. you know, little stuff like shaving, you know, keeping well trimmed, or yeah. or having the morning wash, just little things that set you up for the day ahead. Um, plus, in the jungle, you can't grow too much of a beard anyway because there's some creepy crawlies that love humidity, <laughs> like a burrow yeah. inside, you know, which isn't isn't the best. Uh, but that was thrown out of the window when we got lost in the jungle, and when we got a little bit more hungry, we were just focused on distance you know covering the mileage that we need to get closer to the next checkpoint um so a lot of the routine would just be waking up packing the tents having our wash maybe a shave sometimes uh and then taking it in turns me and max my guide uh, hacking through the bush we would run low on food up north in the jungle so we were relying on even hunting which is kind of like little rodents little ten wrecks that burrow under the tree gathering which is what we were doing mainly you can get stuff like coconuts mangoes uh, sugarcane we were trying you believe is overlooked is the positive things What have
0: you learned about yourself you know not only from a mental perspective right because as much physical um endurance you have to have i'm sure so what have you
1: learned about your mindset into their life i've learned to i've learned to break things down